The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. There's a lot to talk about from investments to insurance to earning to investing to retiring the day. There's a lot of money concepts. We don't have to get them perfect. Some of them are tougher to digest than others. One of the ones that I really like is the sequence of returns. I was working with an article on sequence of returns and I found out I couldn't quite explain it the way I wanted to explain it today. So I brought in CFP Chad Burton to explain sequence of returns as well as other big concepts in retirement that we need to talk about in prep for a big event coming up Thursday in Cupertino at the Juniper Hotel. Um, one of the things we need to digest and get through is the Secure 2.0 Act. Chad, I want to go over sequences of returns. I'm going to send you the article that I was working with today. And, and it was, it's tough to interpret and, and distribute that content. But let's start with Secure 2.0 Act. Recently passed. Sure. What are some immediate rule changes for us? Well, there's a lot of stuff in there for accessing your retirement accounts in an emergency situation, which okay. I'm not going to go over because I think that's, you know, hopefully you're not going to do that ever, right? And unfortunately, people go through issues in life. And I saw a lot of them as a kid growing up with a single mom where you have to do what you have to do to, you know, survive. But well, let's concentrate on the retirement side since that's, you know, typically what I deal with on the wealth and retirement planning side. Um, first of all, the one good piece of this is that the required minimum distribution age. This is the age where you have to start pulling money out of your IRAs, 401ks, 403bs if you're not working anymore. Um, so now when I say that, if you are if you have just a 401k, Rob, and you're over uh, 73 and you're not an owner of the business, you don't have to take RMDs. But if you're retired, you've left your company and you have an IRA or a 401k or a 403b, at age 73 now, that's when you have to start taking required minimum distributions. So just a couple of years ago, it was 70 and a half. Now it's 73. And that's in effect for 2023. So there's a lot of stuff in the Secure, Part 2, uh, the Secure 2.0 Act that phases in over the next several years. Yes. But that's one that's immediate. So age 73. If you're, so if you're turning 72 this year and you're thinking, oh, I got to take my required minimum distribution, you got another year. Question. Um, that mean, yeah. If a prospective client would say, oh, I can do this on my own, can they call Fidelity and figure this out? Does Fidelity have the tools? And I'm not saying just Fidelity, Fidelity, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, any of the big firms. Do they have the tools to help with the math of this? Well, yeah. So typically when you log into an IRA account um, anywhere, <laughs> you, there's a space where you can see what your required minimum distribution is for the year. So I don't know if all custodians have changed the age yet and the factor. So the factors have changed too. So what happens, Rob, is every year the IRS, you know, has this life expectancy table. And so the way that required minimum distributions work for somebody that has to take them is they uh, look at their 
year-end account balance. So for somebody that's turning 73 this year, they have to look at their 12-31-22 IRA account balance or 401k or 403b account balance. And then they go over to the IRS table and based on their age, they have to you know get a factor and divide the year-end balance by that specific factor. And so most custodians will send out a letter every year to each person that says, this is how much your required minimum distribution is. Well, this thing was passed pretty late in the year, so I can't tell you if all of them have changed yet. Um, now, one thing that is to note, let's say you have multiple IRAs and you've got one IRA that's in stocks, one IRA that's in a fixed annuity, uh, one IRA that's in a CD, what, you know, a whole, you, you, you can add up all of your required minimum distributions and just take it out of one account. You don't have to take it out of each account when you have multiple IRAs. Um, and then there's some other more rules. If you have like an IRA and a 401k, then you have to take one out of each. But it can definitely get complicated. And one of the things to note is that if you're trying to avoid paying taxes on that and you're gifting to charity, you can actually give up to $100,000 from your IRA to uh, your favorite charity if you want to and and avoid paying taxes on it. There's a lot of little options. And again, I bring it up because I think people get in over their head, especially if you have an IRA at Fidelity and you have an IRA at Vanguard or if you've got multiple accounts sitting in multiple places, it's going to get very frustrating very quickly. So go ahead. Oh, you're going to say something? Well, I was going to say, yeah, one of the things to help simplify life when you have IRAs all over the place, you can typically say, okay, I want to open an account at you know Fidelity or Schwab and consolidate all of those holdings as they are in one account. Um, so you know, most brokerage firms, you can hold m- most ETFs, stocks, mutual funds, bonds. And so you, one of the things that's helpful is just consolidating everything in one place so you don't have to do math in multiple locations. I'm starting to get that. I'm starting to get that really hardcore. And, uh, you know, when you're young, like, you know, we are right now, we try to consolidate where, who pays our bills or when does this money go out or what, what type of the month? And we automate everything we can to make it simple. Same thing has to happen with retirement plans in my mind. Otherwise, I'm a little on the confused side and that makes me anxious. Um, do self-employed, do they set up different types of 401ks? Like, how well-defined is the world of the self-employed? Because it seems to be more and more of a trend, right? Where employers don't want to bring on employees and pay for their health care and pay for their social security taxes and dump it on an individual. But that's also dumping on the individual, figuring out their own retirement plan. Yeah, and I tell you what, when when there's a lot of contract workers in the Bay Area and when they yeah. all receive 1099s, you had ultimate flexibility. The problem is, is they're all responsible for saving their own self-employment tax, which is FICA, right? When you get a paycheck from an employer, you look at your paycheck and they withhold FICA tax and the employer pays half and you pay half. When you're self-employed, you pay both halves. And so, um, you know, essentially they, they created this push and, and most contract employers have had, had to go on, employees have had to get a W-2 instead of a 1099, which means they're basically not allowed to put money into their own individual 401k, which is a type of 401k account that you can set up if you're self-employed and have no employees. And so California's kind of screwed this up a little bit, honestly. Um, and yeah, there's the Cal Savers plan, which is kind of like a Roth IRA, but it's very limited and it's, it's tough. 
if you are a self-employed person getting a 1099, which means you, you, even if you're an LLC or a sole proprietor and you file a Schedule C on your tax return, Rob, to, to report your self-employed income, you have the ability to set up an individual 401k. And what an individual 401k is, is like a profit sharing set plan with the ability to do deferral on top of that. So it's like a SEP IRA on steroids. Like most self-employed people that are using a SEP IRA should, should probably be using an individual 401k unless they're you know, making over 350 grand a year. Um, and so we see this all the time. And the complicated situation is, is that uh, the Secure 2.0 Act allows a person that's filing a Schedule C in 2022, if they don't have an individual 401k plan, this is the first time that they could set one up in 2023 and fund it for both a deferral and the, the profit share slash SEP contribution for 2022. So that is one good thing under the Secure 2.0 Act if a person is self-employed with a 1099 filing a Schedule C. And we can talk next segment maybe about you know how much people can really get socked away pre-tax and tax-free in this thing. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass, the will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. Big event coming up Thursday night. It's a big reminder to me that I've been doing this for 25 years. And the best part about it is communicating with you. I got an email late last night from someone back in Washington, D.C., where I started my financial media career. And she sent me a picture of me in the Washington Post with a microphone in front of my mouth. And boy, do I look young. But still, that spark of a live crowd's always still there. CFP Chad Burton will uh, be joining me on Thursday night. It's really his event. He dominates it. And he goes over a lot of content that's going to help you with income and taxes and retirement. It's going to help you think about Social Security a little bit differently. Um, I've always thought about what's my Social Security to be for me. And now I have to include family members and budgets into it. It's a lot more complicated than just a simple approach. Chad, you were talking about transferring excess 529 plans, contributions to Roth. That seems to be something in the Security 2.0 Act that it's not confusing. It's just a lot to digest and implement correctly. What are your well, thoughts? It's a little confusing. In fact, there's okay. a lot of technical problems with the Secure 2.0 Act that's Good. going to be fixed. I mean, it, I was talking to one TPA, and TPAs are kind of like accountants for, for 401k plans. Third-party administrator. Yeah, third-party administrator. And like, if you really want to maximize, if you're self-employed, and you really want to maximize a plan where um, you know, we have ways to, to get if you're, let's say you're making 150 grand a year and you want to maximize 401k Roth profit sharing, um, I mean, you can get away with, let's say you're making 150, you could put away 57,900 pre-tax and 15,600 post-tax that you can convert immediately to a Roth. I mean, you, there's really large savings potentials, you know, especially for self-employed. Um, but there's also the mega Roth option where you can do almost the same thing if you're working for a company like, you know, KLA or, or um, Cisco or, uh, you know, a lot of these companies have this after tax to Roth option, but kind of got off track there. On the, on the 529 plan, when we first heard about the Secure 2.0 Act being passed, part of it was saying, okay, if you have a, a child yes. and you've funded a 529 plan, which is a way to put money into an investment account, it grows 
And it's all of the growth is completely tax-free if it's used for education, tuition, books, room, and board, or college. And there's some options for uh, uh, primary high school now. But what, let's say the kid gets a bunch of scholarships right. um, and you have money left over. The original reading was like, oh, okay, you can move $35,000 of, of unused 529 plan for, into a Roth IRA for that child. Which sounds great, right? But <laughs> It does sound great. Like, I wish my parents would have done that for me kind of great. I know, I know. So like, oh, should we start overfunding these things? And But when, when you look at it, the way that it works is there's a whole bunch of rules. For example, there's like a 15-year rule. And then it, as you move the money over, it's still subject to the annual Roth IRA contribution limit. So it's not like you can just push 35 grand into a, a Roth IRA for that child. Um, it, where it's going to come into play if the kid starts to to work and they don't have enough money to max out their 401k and a Roth, you tell them, okay, max out your 401k and we'll start moving a small amount each year from your 529 plan to the Roth. But there's still a bunch of rules around that. It's not just as simple as you can. So that was one of the most uh, emailed questions from my clients when they saw that headline on the $35,000, 529 to, to Roth. And um, let me give you a plug real quick here because the headline Security 2.0 Act, people like me will get into it, we'll, we'll digest it, but we're not going to be any more than an inch deep and a mile wide. I'm going to give the headline version of it, whereas you're going to see how it applies to the individual. That's where a good CFP versus an average CFP, you are a great CFP and you can do this so much better than I can. Because to me, I'm like a client. It's a headline. I see it quickly and I cry and I come to you. <laughs> Don't cry, Rob. You'll be all right. It, it's, it stinks when a 50 plus year old man cries. <laughs> I'm one of those people who sneezes really loud and I cry really loud as well. But let's move on, shall we? I sneeze really loud too. I get made fun of that all the time. The dad sneeze. You going to give us an example? No. <laughs> no. I, I might now. No, it's, it might come out. You never know. Um, are we done with this concept or the whole Roth to your kid thing does sound pretty romantic, but also like even when you pass now, there's rules on, on how your assets pass and what sort of tax favor they get and how many years they have to stay in a set account to get qualifications as that kind of deduction. Um, is it too much to handle for the average person? Like you're saying, clients will reach out to you and they're like, they're mostly getting it wrong. They're mostly getting it right, but a little bit wrong. Well, and there's just so much clarification. I mean, the, these laws get passed and then there's clarification. So, for example, just a few years ago, we used to be able to leave your IRA to your child and they could defer the taxes over their entire lifetime and just take a little bit out each year. Right. And then the SECURE Act was passed and it was like, oh, okay, well, they have to pull it out within 10 years so they could choose to pull a little bit out each year or it all has to come out in the 10th year. Now they're going back and reclarifying, oh, you're supposed to take a little bit out each year depending on what age the person was when they died. So they just, they, they, they change the rules. The one thing constant is change in taxes and everything else. And then, you know, the, let, let's look all the way back to 2017 um, with the act that was passed then, which is complicated yet very, very useful for retirees. That's one of the things I go over at the event is how can you capitalize on this, this tax system that was created in 2017 but we all have to realize that all of it expires, Rob, in 2026. So it's going to change. Either, either you know, we get a 
Congress that can't agree on anything and, and it just expires and go back, goes back to where it was in 2017 or it just full it changes again. So it's kind of why I like the business. It's, it's always changing. It's kind of exciting to me, but it does make retirement planning a little bit more complicated each and every year. It makes me a little angry to be honest with you, because our tax code is complicated. It's getting even more complicated and I don't see a quick fix to that. Um, you might remember Steve Forbes ran for president on the idea of like a fixed tax rate. Let's blow up the IRS on and go after consumption. And well, he didn't get very far when you try to simplify the IRS. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close, and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. So CFP Chad Burton and I have collaborated for 20 plus years. It's been a great collaboration. I think he does a lovely job as a certified financial planner. I trust him more with my money in my retirement years than I trust myself with my money in retirement. It's an odd concept to think of, but his depth of knowledge is deeper than mine and much more. Mine's, mine might be wider for sure, but uh, his depth of knowledge is hardcore great on financial planning and tax income issues. I don't want to endorse you though. I don't want to say that. I'm just, I'm stating an obvious fact. Um, we we're talking about sequence of returns, Chad, and you're going to be talking about this and showing an example at the event Thursday night. Cupertino, Juniper Hotel, great parking, great restaurants, easy location to get into and out of. You can even swing by the Apple Infinity Loop and see what that's all about beforehand. Um, it's a pretty cool location. It's it's my it's one of my favorite places to do a, a, a seminar. But I don't want to talk about the other ones because they'll confuse people. So Chad, what do we need to know about sequence of returns and why is this this is turning into your calling card? This is turning into when Chad talks, I listen. Um, I think Rick Edelman at one point in time had 10 reasons never to own a mortgage and he made a name off of that or never to pay off a mortgage. Let me correct that. Um, this is turning into the, your name, the sequence of returns, guy. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it was so, so to give you a little history, I mean, first of all, what, what have I said? Like a broken record for the 20 plus years we've been doing radio together. Um, brush your teeth and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, for retirees, they need three years worth of portfolio draws oh, yeah, yeah. and safe and safe money. And so that all happened with, to give you a little history in the business, I, I started in business at 19 with my grandfather. He left banks and he was selling annuities and mutual funds and I helped him create his office. He basically walked out after all those savings and loan mergers that occurred back then um, and just walked out with his box of statements and you know, I had to help him set up a contact management system and, you know, book clients and things like that. And I fell in love with the business, just not the sales side. When I was going, to, when I was doing this, I was at Portland State 
wrestling, majoring in engineering and math because I was trying to figure out, do I want to be an engineer or do I want to go back to call uh, to high school and be a wrestling coach and teach math? Cause I just loved math. And then I got into the business and I just totally went to a different um, direction. I also coached a summer uh, wrestling camp for junior high kids and realized that I don't want to be a teacher because I re- re- <laughs> was a really annoying age. <laughs> but w- what I noticed from approaching financial planning from the math angle is I, I just love numbers. I love looking at stock market history. And we talked about this yesterday where you look at you know 20 plus year periods and the stock market averages to, you know 10, 11% pretty consistently. But it's a wild ride. Um, I looked at the market and I noticed that right after the Great Depression, there was a period where the stock market was down three years in a row. Right. Um, Feds raised rates too soon and the market kind of pulled back again and went into a mild recession. And I noticed that 73, 74, the market was down 45% or so, but then recovered 60% over the next two years. Nice. And... After that, there had not been a three years in a row. But I looked at that and said, well, there has been a three years in a row negative stock market. And when I looked at 73, 74, even though the next two years was up 60, it took another six months or so to break even. So mathematically, I just realized that I don't ever want to have to pull money out of the market when the stock market is down because it will always recover. It's just a matter of time. Is it six months or is it two and a half, three years? Um, and then looking back, okay, three years was the worst downside. So if I have three years worth of portfolio draws and cash and I have stocks that are paying dividends and bonds that are paying interest, I know I don't have to sell anything until the stock market or bond market recovers. And I also noticed that in the eighties, when the feds back then were fighting inflation, you had a couple years, year, one or two years where the stocks, where stocks were down at the same time as bonds. And bonds are not safe money when interest rates are going up. They, As we saw last year, they declined. So it was just kind of a simple math issue for me um, that when I look at creating a portfolio, I always want to make sure that three years worth of portfolio draws, not expenses. And we go over that at the event. It's your draws. It's your, your expenses are too high. It's You've got your expenses minus Social Security, minus pension, minus maybe some you know rental income and things like that. How much do you have to draw out of your portfolio every year? When the stock market is up, you, you draw that amount out of your portfolio. When the stock or bond market is down, you live off of that cash, that safe money. But you're always feeding that safe money with dividends from stocks, which is just a, you know, m- most stocks out there of large larger companies, Apple, Cisco, Microsoft, things like that, they pay back some of the profit every quarter in the form of a dividend. And so that comes in in good markets or bad markets. And so the idea is that the stock market will take care of you over time, but you just don't want to have to sell when it's down. So in the event, I give this example, Rob, of a situation in 1970 to 2008, where a person starts with a $500,000 portfolio, they're drawing 25 grand a year in a 40% stock, 60% bond scenario. And in that scenario, you know, in the early 70s or late 70s, early 80s, it was a rough market because of fighting inflation. And then we had this huge, you know, bull market of the 80s into the 90s. And so in that scenario, this couple, after 32 years, ends up being able to leave $4 million to their kids. But if we take those returns, the same returns that occurred from 1970 to 2008, and we flip them over so that the, the you know, 
the returns from 1970 come last and the returns from 2008 come first, right. they're out of money after 32 years. They're dead broke. So let me, let me ask a question. Does this mean if you retired in 2000 or 2008 or 2021 where the markets had a down start a year, a two years, three years maybe, mm-hmm. that you're more likely to go broke if you happen to re- hit retirement right during the first down? Yeah, because if you're drawing on the portfolios, the market declines. So the, if, if you look at the historical returns of the stock market, that assumes that you're letting everything stay put and reinvesting dividends along the way. But when you're in retirement, you're actually pulling money out. So as you're pulling money out, as it declines, you have less shares in there to recover. And so you don't have the same recovery. So what that means is that you can have a portfolio with a, a, the, the, a lower average annual rate of return but better results in a situation where you're drawing money out. And so it's the order of stock market returns is easy to fight if you have a distribution strategy. And you realize that stock market is going to take care of you over time as long as you don't, you're not forced to sell. And that's either forced to sell to pay expenses or forced to sell because you invested too aggressively for your risk tolerance and you're starting to panic. <laughs> I'm just going to giggle at that one because that sounds funny. Um it's not funny is the whole point. You can meet Chad Thursday evening at Juniper Hotel in Cupertino. We're going to be doing a big event. We're very excited by this. It's tied towards income and retirement. And what he just talked about was sequence of returns. I want people to listen to it again today and again tomorrow and again the day after. Um, I'm not saying you get lucky if you retire into a bull market. I'm not saying you get unlucky if you retire into a bear market but it does make a big difference on how long it's going to last. Chad, is there anything else we can hit on the next two to three minutes on sequence of returns? Or do you have anything on your website that people can, you know, give up their email address and download an article from you? Uh, not necessarily on the sequence of returns because we, you know, do a lot of that at the event. I mean, so yeah. for example, we'll show different portfolio styles that you would have, if you would have invested in October, 2007, prior to the great recession, how long did it take a uh, balanced portfolio to recover versus stocks to recover. Um, so if you were only, if you went into retirement in 2007 and you only had stocks, you hadn't transitioned your portfolio from the accumulation phase to the distribution phase, it took until August 12th of 2012 for stocks to break even. So if you were drawing on your portfolio during that time, it took even, it took much, much longer. You know, if you had a, a 60-40 portfolio, it broke even two years prior to that. Almost. So uh, the, the idea is that you have to shelter yourself from, from the, those order of returns and realize that the stock market's going to take care of you over time as long as you create a distribution strategy. And once you have a distribution strategy, these events like 2022 don't bother you as much. That's fair. That's a nice way of putting it. You have a podcast that people can find, New Focus on Wealth with CFP Chad Burton. It's available wherever anyone gets podcasts. You and I have always talked about doing more of an hour-long sit-down after dark kind of podcast um, versus turning the radio show into a podcast. So there's a lot to always look forward to. You can find out more about Chad Burton at chadburton.com. You can sign up for the event Thursday night at chadburton.com. Um, Chad, we're getting back to seminars and people are coming out. What's What do you feel about the people who are coming out of the pandemic? Are they better off than they were? Are they more confused than ever? Um, are they ready to, you know, throw everything up in the air and say, I'm ready to retire. This is just too crazy working in COVID. 
Well, I've seen a lot of it both ways. I mean, okay. there's there's people that are fully enjoying working from home more, right? If they've got their routine and everything established. Um, but those that really enjoyed the social interaction of work and now they just don't have it anymore because most of the stuff is done via Zoom or, you know, working at home, they're, they're just not very happy. So they're saying, okay, do I have enough to finally call it quits so I can do other things in life? And I think that in 2022, where stocks and bonds were both down at the same time, helped people realize that, oh, you know, even a 60-40 portfolio, which if you look at an average one, it was just U.S. stocks and U.S. bonds was down like, you know, was it 16, 17%? Like, okay, I got to have a better plan than this. I can't just blindly go into retirement without a distribution plan and a, and a, and a boring model. Very early in my career, I crossed paths with CFP Chad Burton. It's kind of like a Jack Antonoff, Taylor Swift relationship. <laughs> um, you're the talent. I'm just the guy who can distribute us and uh, find levels for us to move into. You've got a great website, chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. Great content services that you offer include a portfolio review. You talk about divorce, financial planning, business planning, retirement planning, um, life transition planning. And obviously that's not the transition that's controversial in the news. It's the transition going from wealth accumulation to wealth distribution. Um, but Thursday night, you're going to be talking about income and taxes in retirement. Cupertino at the um, Juniper Hotel, easy place to park, which can't say about in a lot of the Bay Area and great restaurants real close by. So make an evening of it. Check out a work a little bit early. Come see CFP, Chad Burton and I present at the Juniper Thursday, 6.30 to 8.30. And if you can't, hit his website and do a portfolio review or download some information on divorce planning or some information on 15 things to do before you hire a financial planner. Chad, what should we close the show with today? Well, I think, so there's a lot of things that you have to think about tax-wise in retirement. First of all, certain taxes that you're going to maybe not think about. So first of all, Social Security, you know, we all pay in. But when it comes out, for most people that can afford to retire in the Bay Area, 85% of it or so is taxable. And it's a very complicated formula. Then you've got brokerage accounts, right? That you know, outside of your retirement accounts, where you invested, you're automatically going to pay taxes on certain dividends and and interest, dividends from stocks and interest from from bonds or real estate income. So there's a certain amount of tax that you're going to pay. But what we tend to find when we go through a financial plan, we need statements and we need tax returns. That's where we can add a ton of value. We can say, okay, you're oh, you're over seventy and a half, and you're gifting to charity. Why don't we gift out of the IRA with a qualified charitable distribution? Or, oh, you have too much highly concentrated stock in a certain company or sector. There's a way in retirement you can kind of alternate where you're drawing your money from to capitalize on how much capital gain income you can have at a very, very low rate. And so I explained that, that there's ways to alternate your income. And you know, a married couple finally jointly, if they had no other income, could theoretically have, you know, close to 80 grand or so or more of capital gain income and not pay much in taxes federally at all. Um, so it's complicated, but there's this is the best tax system I've seen in the 28 years that I've been doing this. And That's then a nice lot of it, yeah, it is. It, there's a lot of options there. But it also tells me that taxes are going to go up in the future for people that are younger. Now, going back to this Kiplinger's order of stock market returns, the sequence or return risk, 
It's funny because the example they're using is similar to the one that I've used in the past. And this is why I love math so much because they they show this. It's not a real example of a real portfolio. It's just an example of math where you have a set of 30 different numbers. And they show an example when they're drawing $50,000 a year. And one example starts off with a million. You're drawing 50 grand a year. You earn 6.3% average annual rate of return. 30 years later, you die, you leave 2 million to your kids. But if they take those returns and they flip the sequence of those returns, so they all still have an average annual return of 6.3%, but because they swapped the order returns and the bad returns came right in the beginning, this that's, that scenario, the person was out of money after 15 years. And so number one, it's to me, it's amazing. Math is just, uh, you know, I love math and, you know, compounding numbers average annual returns versus real returns or geometric mean, those types of things. But it's a perfect example of, of how you have to have a specific distribution strategy going into retirement because one of the biggest risks is the sequence of market returns. Then you have healthcare risks um, and inflation risks that you have to fight as well. And, and you know, best way to fight inflation is invest in things like stocks, you know, uh, treasury inflation protected bonds and, in some cases, not right now necessarily, but in commodities. Uh, so you can fight inflation by having growth potential in your portfolio. But to fight the sequence of return risk, you have to have a certain amount of safe money and know what accounts to draw from when the market's up and what accounts to draw from when the market's down. And then finally fighting taxes by by withdrawing correctly out of different accounts and then doing things like small IRA to Roth conversions from retirement through age 72. Stuff. Do you know that a, you, a, a fire hose of information for you? Yes, and I like that you think that math is fun. I do. Um, <laughs> but did you know that if you multiply by six an even number, the answer will always be the same digit? So six times four is 24? Yep, I did. What yeah. about the rule of 72? Oh, do tell me what the rule of 72 is. Isn't that the one where I make a lot of money? Yeah, exactly. So if you divide 72 by your expected rate of return, that's how many years it would take to double. Okay. Uh, so 72 divided by 10 is 7.2 years. So if you averaged, if you got, if you had something that was guaranteed seven, you know, 10% for 7.2 years, it would double your money. So you could, you could say, Oh, I'm, you know, what's your expected rate of return, you know, divide 72 by that. And you could say, okay, that that's what would potentially double. But this, which is why we kind of say that, you know, if, on average, if you look over history, something that's left in stocks that reinvests itself, yeah. Um, and you don't touch it, especially when the market's down, uh, should average, you know, should, should double every, you know, 10 years or so, seven to 10 years. But with now, the rate of return there's, that there's we're seeing pockets in of time, <laughs> there's pockets of time that doesn't work. Right. But on average over your lifetime, I think that's one of the ones that gets the most, uh, pushback from engineers are like, wait, wait, money doubles every 7.2 years. Um, and I like the pushback. I think it's a uh, good for the business if that makes sense to you. Uh, big event coming up. You want to plug it real quick? Yeah. I mean, it's with distribution strategies, how to deal with taxes. It's, it's going to be, like I just said, a fire hose of information. But the idea is to give you all the points that you need to think about, consider, and have a plan for before you go in and say, okay, I'm ready to retire. And also, if you're already retired and somebody's charging you a bunch of money for just the investment side, you're not getting what you need and you're not getting what you're paying for. Since Taylor Swift is known as Tay Tay, and I'm comparing you to Taylor Swift, you're going to be Cha Cha. Come meet CFP Chad Burton Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar 